You're listening to The Treatment Room with Tess and Lauren, the podcast by estheticians for estheticians and those who seek to learn about their own skin from a professional's perspective. We're diving into our whys as licensed skincare therapists, sharing in our career journeys and separating the gimmicks from the real heroes in skincare. Welcome to The Treatment Room. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Treatment Room with Tess and Lauren. We are back today for part two of our Q&A. So we are going to go over some questions. The rest of the ones that you guys had um, sent us in DMs in response to our little question sticker in our Instagram stories. And um, yeah, kind of get back to basics again and just talk to you guys about what you want to hear. So Tess, do you want to kick us off on the on the first question? Yeah. Hey guys, by the way, I hope everyone's <laughs> doing well. Everyone's happy yeah. and healthy. So the first question we have is what are your recommendations for the best sheet mask? So to be honest, when Lauren and I first read this question, we were kind of like, ah, I don't know. Like it's kind of hard to answer, but then yeah. in thinking about it, we realized like what a common thing it is, especially I think as the term self-care becomes more popularized and people want to practice self-care, especially in stressful times, like during mm -hmm. quarantine, people reach for little items like sheet masks. And mm -hmm. we were just talking about how easy it is to spend what, like, five to seven dollars on a sheet mask at somewhere like the drugstore or a grocery store and just mm -hmm. pick up three of those and then you've spent you know 25 bucks on some little sheet masks that you know are single use and we were just kind of thinking about not to say that sheet masks are can't have a strong effect on the skin but we think it's one of those items that if you are tight on a budget, maybe think about a few core products first and really, you know, invest in those things you're going to be using on a day-to-day -day basis. From there, we, we wanted to touch on some of the ingredients that we often see in face masks we wouldn't recommend versus ones we do like. Lauren, you want to you wanna touch on those? Yeah, so I think um, two things to avoid when you're looking at a sheet mask are things that are going to be harsher ingredients. So I think sheet masks, especially the cheaper ones, tend to have a lot of preservatives, which can be really irritating to the skin. Um, and then fragrances, which again, I know are kind of like a controversial topic. Not everybody hates fragrances. Not everybody loves fragrances, but um, we kind of stand by um, the sense that fragrance can be really irritating to the skin. So avoiding fragrance and then also alcohols in these, um, again, they need to have some kind of preservative, like antibacterial factor. So a lot of times that comes into play there can be kind of harsh alcohols. So, um, yeah, so those are the things that I think we would say steer clear of. Um, and then there are certain things like that you can find that are really great ingredients in a sheet mask. And those are mostly going to be like hydrating like water-based ingredients so 
um, things like marine algae or aloe, hyaluronic acid. You want to look for those ingredients that are going to be a little higher up on the ingredient deck so that you know that they're going to be at a higher concentration in that product. Yes. I love, Lauren, that you mentioned preservatives as something to be mindful of, not to say they're all bad because they're kind of a necessary evil to have some sort of preservative in your skincare product. But Mm -hmm. just like makeup wipes, which I think people are starting to understand, you know, why they can be really harsh on the skin is because it's a wet cloth, you know, sitting in a packet for a long period of time, you have to add preservatives to, you know, keep it from getting moldy. So that's definitely something again, to look out for. And I think like Lauren said, looking to ensure ingredients like if you, if it really depends what you want, if you're after hydration in a product, those, those water binding ingredients, Lauren mentioned, look for those closer to the beginning of the ingredient deck. We were just looking up, for example, a drugstore, um, a drugstore brand that, you know, had hyaluronic acid as like, you know, the big buzzword on the packaging. And this is what I think a lot of brands do. They'll latch onto a buzzword when we and then we go to look at the ingredient deck and we see hyaluronic acid as the 15th ingredient so it's just something to be mindful of um yeah yeah because again a product can have an ingredient on the label um without even having it included in the product at all yeah which is so crazy and another thing i just wanted to quickly touch on that you kind of mentioned earlier tess is that these sheet masks are like not that cheap they're like you know on the very cheap side they're like two dollars three dollars each and that's like extremely cheap and I would say be wary of those because those are probably going to be the ones that you know don't have the best ingredients um but when you think about like if you buy a tube of mask that's like forty dollars you're going to get, you know, versus a sheet mask that's five dollars. So for forty dollars, you could get eight sheet masks, right? You're going to get more than eight uses out of that tube of mask. So and it's probably going to be higher quality or, you know, whatever the case may be. So just something to kind of keep in mind as well. Like sheet masks are fun and I think they're trendy and and all that stuff. But if you really are looking for something that's going to be, you know, just something quick and cheap, I really don't think sheet masks are necessarily the answer in that scenario. Right. And I think kind of what that leads to in my mind is that I think people think, you know, more is more for your skin. And sometimes you're just, you're, you're adding more fuel to the fire. You're adding that alcohol, that fragrance, those, you know, harsh ingredients. And it's, you're, you're just, sometimes it's like, you're just doing too much. Um, But there are some great masks out there. Dermaplus actually has a really great soothing collagen mask with, like Lauren said, marine algae, hyaluronic acid, like all near the front of the ingredient deck. What I love about that, that sheet mask is I will save the little packet in the serum and I will get maybe up to like five or six more uses with that serum, serum doing facial massage, um, doing cold rolling. So I really make it last, but yeah. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. It's a really good one. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Okay. So next question. Um, and I'm going to pass this one off to you, Tess, but it says not a skin question, but how did you promote yourself so well in the beginning? I mean, you have 
um, test your Instagram and your YouTube and all that. So you've done such a good job. So I'm going to let you answer this one. Thank you. So I, I assume they're talking about my YouTube because that's where I kind of started out. Um, and when I was looking for an outlet and just to put it briefly, because I have, I think a whole episode on, uh, how to use social media to your advantage. But what I, what I did was I really just got comfortable with enjoying the process. I think you, you really have to love the process and be comfortable looking at an audience of 10 to a hundred people for a year. Like I had to be really humble and just do it because I enjoyed it. And then I think people started to catch on to the authenticity because I think if you have great content, you're speaking to a specific audience, you have a niche and you're offering value and education. I think that content always rises to the top. Uh, Not to say like I'm cream of the crop. But I think if you are offering value to somebody and you have a purpose and you know, like you are on there for a reason, you're not just doing what everyone else is doing. I think that eventually gains momentum um, as long as you're just consistent and humble with it. Um, And Lauren, by the way, just started her own blog. So you guys should all check that out. We'll definitely add the link in our show notes. Lauren, tell them a little bit about what is your blog going to be about? Oh, thanks. So um, I wanted to start a blog because I found that like when I was posting Instagrams, I felt like I had so well, and I'm still posting Instagrams, but I felt like I had so I always have so much information, so many things that I want to say that Mm -hmm. I want to elaborate on. And just like in an Instagram caption, it's overwhelming. So I wanted to start a blog just so that I can elaborate and share, um, you know, just I guess more. So it's going to be very focused, of course, on skincare, because that's like, you know, our main thing. Um, but also within my philosophy on skincare, it's, I have a very holistic philosophy. So I, I feel that, um, the health of your skin is really a reflection of the health of the rest of your body and mind. So I don't think it's just about products. It's obviously about, you know, your gut health, what you're putting in your body and also what you're putting into your mind, you know? So if you're, you know, stressed all the time and you've got all this crazy cortisol, that's going to affect your hormones and in turn affect your skin and everything. So yeah. So basically it's going to be very skincare focused, but also, um, very focused on holistic wellness. So some recipes here and there and, and just little things kind of branching out, but very skincare focused still. Ah, I'm so excited. Yeah. Definitely put your recipes up because I always, you're always like, DM me if you want to know the recipe. I'm like, what is the recipe? Like, where can I find this information? So I think that'll be awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I just love that you're going for it. You did the fast launch strategy. I think just Mm -hmm. instead of like, I think so many people get excited about something and then they find 10 reasons why they can't do it or they should put it off until tomorrow. So I love that you just went for it. Right. Yeah, I know that's, and that's another thing I wanted to mention briefly is just that like the fast launch thing, like this is what Tess and I do for everything. It's, and we learned this, at least I did from um, Lauren Everts of the Skinny Confidential. She always says like launch fast and then adjust as you go. Because I mean, I think she says that she spent like a year or two years, some, some crazy amount of time working on her blog, wanting it to be absolutely perfect before she launched it. But I don't think anything will ever be perfect, especially before you launch, because you kind of learn as you go. And like, even with Instagram, with our podcast, we've learned so much just by doing that we wouldn't have 
you know, learned if we didn't launch it and just give it a go. Yeah. Like we could have just said, oh, Lauren's in Colorado. I'm here in the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. All podcasters, you know, have a studio and they podcast together. Like our quality would suffer. Therefore, we won't do it. Instead, we just, you know, we we really wanted, we were passionate about it. And we just said, like, we'll do whatever it, we'll figure it out as we go. Mm -hmm. Um, Remember, actually, when we interviewed Kelly Ann, she talked about just trusting that Annette will catch you. I really love that. And that's always resonated with me just like have some faith in yourself. Like you'll figure it out on the way. And I think that's true of a lot of successful people. It's kind of a theme I see with successful people. Shelly Hancock also talked about like she worked at uh, cost plus doing desk work and, you know, she knew it wasn't, it wasn't going to make her happy. She knew she wanted to do something else. She ran into an esthetician and she thought like that job looks awesome maybe I should take a leap. She did it. She she opened her own business a year, being in the industry only after a year, but she just trusted that she was capable enough to figure it out on the way. So um, right. yeah, I think that's a great little message to pass on and just, yeah, have some faith in yourself. You don't have to have it all figured out up front. Yeah, exactly. Alrighty, let's move on. Okay, skincare tips to help with sensitive skin slash redness. Lauren, what do you think? So I think that there's sensitivity and redness is kind of a a big thing to to cover. So first thing I would say is you got to figure out what is causing your sensitivity and your redness. Um, is it truly just because that is your skin type? You've always mm. been this way, even mm-hmm. as a kid. Are you a Fitzpatrick type, you know, one or two, really fair, um, freckle easily, that type of thing? Um, or are you using products that are causing the sensitivity in your skin? So, um, for instance, some people will come to me and say, like, you know, here's what I'm using. I'm experiencing this, this, and this. And I'll notice they're using a cleanser with salicylic acid. And then they have a toner that has glycolic. And then they have a moisturizer that has more glycolic or something like that. So a lot of times people are using products that have a lot of active in, active exfoliating ingredients in them that, you know, when used every day over a period of time, you're, of course, going to see um, sensitivity and redness. Uh, and also like if you're using a, you know, a cleanser that's heavy on, um, SLS or really, really, really foaming artificial ingredients, um, that can cause sensitivity and redness in the skin as well. So I would say first figure out why, you know, look at your products and see what you're using. And if you notice that you do in fact have a bunch of actives in products that you're using every single day, um, switch those out. So maybe just use one of those per day and get like a super soothing moisturizer and a pH balancing toner, especially if you're using one of those toners that has like, you know, it's like the alcohol, heavy alcohol toners. Don't, first of all, just don't use those in general. Yes. No, I, that's a great point, Lauren, because I think that's so popularized to, I see these like glycolic toners and all this crazy stuff that's really breeding inflammation. Not to say like that couldn't be a nice treatment product once or twice a week, but if you're doing it morning and nighttime every day, that's a lot of exfoliation. And yeah, 
if you're wondering like why you may be breaking out, it could be inflammation in the follicle and just, you know, overdoing it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So when you're looking at that, you know, obviously get that routine right before you move on to anything else. And then from there, um, if you do have very sensitive skin just by genetics or you're needing to kind of rehab your skin to to get it back to its, its barrier function um, being optimal, um, focus on hydration and soothing ingredients. So like hyaluronic, of course, we love, um, camellia, colloidal oatmeal, all of those types of ingredients that are really soothing on the skin, even blue tansy if you're into um, essential oils. Super soothing, very um, gentle, mild on the skin is what we would, I think, what I would recommend. Totally. Yeah. That reminds me of, I had a very, very um, sensitive client, like extreme eczema, and we just, we kept the facial super calming, like took out the peel, did the lightest little enzyme, but just like focus on a lot of hyaluronic, a lot of hydration, a lot of water, a little mm-hmm. bit of massage with hyaluronic and um, squalene and just, yeah, really hydrating and occluding um, that barrier because she was so dry. Um, perfect. Okay. Let's move on. Somebody asked, what would you recommend for post-breakout marks? So hyperpigmentation, that's, you know, left after somebody's had extractions or picked at acne. So this is, I think, I think it can be a little bit tricky. And I think the most common thing you want to avoid that a lot of people unfortunately do is they exfoliate too soon. And in that case, it's kind of just like excoriation, like leading to, um, prolonging the healing process and potentially creating a little bit of a scar. So I would say, you know, you want to avoid the the harsh stuff, for example, chemical peels, which I think a lot of people think, oh, I want to brighten even things out. I want to get rid of this scar. And I think a lot of um, products are marketed as like dark spot eraser, like post breakout, you know, eraser. And I think it's really easy to fall into the trap of exfoliating too soon. Um, It it can be great ingredients like lactic or um, brightening melanin inhibitors like kojic or licorice root, vitamin A, those can all be good, but you want to allow the wound to essentially heal itself first. Yeah, exactly. So make sure, yeah, make sure you heal it first because otherwise I think it's just gonna, I mean, it's like, if you got a cut on your knee, would you put acid on it? Like, right, right. No, probably not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Like afterwards using your Kojic, um, licorice root, vitamin A, lactic, um, pretty much anything that is marketed towards brightening, um, will, will be, I think your friend in that. Yeah. And on that note, that kind of reminds me of something I hear commonly, which is people using vitamin A or like specifically retin-A or retinols as like a spot treatment. Just thinking like, you know, directly after after breakout, it kind mm-hmm. of erases that when you really want to use that all over. And yeah, just, just realize it's not a spot 
corrector retinol. You want to use it all over to lighten and brighten. Um, but again, yeah, leave the leave the tissue to heal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Leave the tissue to heal. Use your brightening, but yeah, use it all over. Oh my gosh, I feel like that would be first of all, it would take forever to get through a tube of retinol if you <laughs> were just spot treating. You'd probably go bad before you could finish it. But yeah. yeah, you want that stuff all over. My gosh, I feel like retinols are like the fountain of youth. Totally. I know. I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. So next question is about order of products. Um, why is it that people put on serums before toners? Doesn't the toner remove the serum? So yeah. So we were talking about this. I don't think anybody really, um, I think most people would do that just by way of lack of knowledge. Um, Mm -hmm. not necessarily because they think that's the better way to do it because, um, you know, you're right. It would definitely remove the serum. So you want to make sure that you, um, do your toner first before you put on your serum so that you don't take off your really expensive serum. (laughs) Yeah. And I think the point there is to just remember with toner, like you're laying the foundation, you're balancing the pH so that your other products can then work more effectively. Mm -hmm. Another thing I think we run into is people doing maybe mixing their moisturizer and their serum or doing, I had a client who's doing her oil first because she liked to do facial massage with her oil in the morning. And then she would apply her vitamin C. Uh, In that case, you're kind of creating an occlusive barrier. And then the really tiny molecule of the serum, which is, you know, typically more expensive, it's really powerful stuff, but it can't always penetrate past that little barrier. So um, typically like layering from thinnest viscosity to thickest, like tends to be a good rule of thumb. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I pretty much tell everybody too is, is thinnest thickest. Cause that's the easiest way. Like when you're in it in the moment to, totally. to think, okay, what goes first? And you look, okay, this is like a watery consistency. So we'll do this before we do something else. So yes, yes. definitely. Okay. So, um, next question is thoughts on Tatcha skincare. Um, what do you think Tess? I have a lot of thoughts here and okay. I think I'll just preface it by saying, you know, people are constantly asking estheticians and, uh, just skin experts. Like, what do you think of this brand. And I think it's just, I think it's good for people to understand a lot of times, like if an esthetician doesn't have the ingredient label in front of them, like it can be hard to, to put a statement on a whole, a line is like a very comprehensive thing. Like I may agree with their cleanser and I may think their, you know, vitamin C is not the most effective. So I think it's uh, maybe a little bit more efficient to ask about a specific product and even turn over the ingredient label and like, you know, dig into that. But Lauren and I were kind of, we're talking about how to address this question without, because we don't want to put down any line and not to say like touch is bad. One thing that stands out to me is the price point. Like for me and for my clients, I only recommend professional products as a professional. So it's hard for me to see a line at, at that 
price point without the clinical trials and testing and, you know, that seal of knowing it is professional grade quality ingredients, because like I can, I can tell it's probably a, a pretty quality line. It seems pretty refined just by using the formulas, but I, but I don't know for sure. So I wouldn't take that gamble on products that are at that price point. I think you do pay for the packaging is beautiful. I think the marketing is wonderful. Like when you hear Tatcha, you think of a really high end luxury line. And I think that's almost part of their allure. I think like, this is just a total, my opinion, but I think sometimes brands think, if we price it higher, then, you know, it has more appeal to a consumer as a luxury item. And we want to pull in that luxury audience. We want it to be a status symbol on your shelf. Whereas if I'm looking at the actual ingredients, like, yes, they seem very refined, but I don't, I don't see anything in there that warrants the price tag. If you, if you catch what I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. Because it's like, that's the thing. It's like, it's not a bad product by any means. And I think that this is true of a lot, a lot of brands and of, and a lot of products is that, you know, it might not necessarily be a bad product, but does it warrant $90 or a hundred dollars or even $60? You know, like it's when it comes to skincare, you can price it however you want. You can make whatever claims you want. Um, and you don't necessarily have to back it up. That's the thing. It's like that, you know, in the U S we have, I mean, next to no regulation on skincare or the beauty industry in general. So, yeah. So, and the other thing is with Tatcha, I know that it's a very like, um, quote unquote clean brand, which, um, you guys I'm sure know by now, but I'm, I'm very, very, very pro clean, quote unquote clean skincare, whatever, you know, however we can define that, um, using ingredients that are seen to be or proven to be less toxic than others to the body and the endocrine system and all that kind of stuff. However, when it comes to clean skincare, there's first of all, no regulation. And there's also no like guarantees that clean is any better for the skin or more effective on the skin than anything else. I mean, some people might even argue the opposite that it's not as effective. So I think that that's another thing to be wary of is when you're looking at certain brands that are touting that they're clean, they're non-toxic, you still have to look at the at the ingredient label, especially if you're going to be spending, you know, the same price that you would for a a brand that has clinical trials and can prove the purity of their ingredients and the efficacy of the product itself. Totally, totally. And just Tatcha has such, it's brand power. You you see Tatcha, you think luxury, you think mild for the skin, you think clean. And then we're looking at the website and their claims are non-irritating, non-sensitizing. For, I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. very hard to mm-hmm. make that claim because everyone's different. Everyone's skin is different. So while the ingredients may be overall very mild, I don't necessarily agree with that claim. The fact that, I mean, a ton of brands do this. They say dermatologists tested. And I think consumers just assume, oh, that means, you know, it's proven to improve the skin if this dermatologist backs it. Where Whereas we don't, we it's just one dermatologist. 
It could mm-hmm. be somebody that they know. Like, there's just no jurisdiction on that classification. So yeah. I just doesn't really mean anything. It really doesn't mean anything. So it's not that we're anti-tatcha, but we just I think overall we like to encourage our audience and skincare consumers to take a look at the ingredient label yourself. Maybe start I think it's a great way to learn. Start looking up ingredients. Lauren and I always talk about Inky Decoder or Paula's mm-hmm. Choice as a way to kind of understand ingredients better but I would say just like question question lines like you have every right to especially if something is at a top tier price point that in it this line is probably twice as expensive or almost that of the professional lines that I use so for me I don't see like the reason for recommending it that said I know there's an audience for it I know there there are people who may like it. So it's, it's about finding what works for you. And so I guess my answer is as a professional, I don't recommend non-professional lines. And I would just encourage you to do your research and, you know, kind of question claims that brands make. Yeah. Be as informed of a consumer as you possibly can, because I mean, that's, that's where we come from as professionals is just incredibly informed and scrutinizing. We don't just take a product based on its claims. You look at the ingredients, you compare it to other products of the same price range or the same quality and, um, you know, make your decision based on that. So I think it's great when, when people, you know, DM and ask about certain products, um, but if you can send an ingredient label, I mean, that's really where, where the, the info is going to come from. Yeah. And I did the same, like, this is how I actually got into aesthetics. Lauren was like the person who influenced me to become an esthetician. And I would come to her and ask like, is this any good? Is this, cause you just, you don't know. Um, don't know. but yeah. I and think- even still like, I'm, I'm what, 10 years into this now and still learning. I said this to somebody in my comments yesterday, actually, um, about like ingredients and how we want to, it, there's, there's always new things and it feels like there's 10 different ways, 10 different names for every ingredient. There's like the inky name and then there's the common name and then there's like, you know, so there's like so much to know that you're constantly learning. So staying on top of it and really scrutinizing and looking at things, that's how you're going to really get to know um, different product lines and ingredients and formulations. There's um, there's two girls that I follow. I think it's two girls um, called Chemist Confessions. Um, they're on Instagram and they have a website. You guys, they have so much good information about literally the chemistry of skincare. So for instance, you can look at an ingredient label and say, okay, that's a good ingredient. That's a good ingredient. That's a bad ingredient, et cetera, et cetera. But there's so much, I would argue even more that goes into a product as far as formulation and what goes well together, what, you know, you have to have to stabilize this and, and to make this actually penetrate like all this stuff. So chemist confessions is one of my favorite things to look at because it really gives you an idea of formulation. So if you're looking for a vitamin C serum, they'll tell you, look for this, this, and this, and this is going to be your most effective formula, all that stuff. So just being really informed as a consumer is, is going to be the best. So yeah, as far as Tatcha goes, don't hate it. Don't love it. I wouldn't buy it because I think it's too expensive for what it is. Right. And yeah, I love Lauren that you, you brought up 
the delivery systems and, you know, whether or not like a line is pH balanced, I think that's another element of a professional Mm -hmm. line that you don't have that same promise when you're looking at a over-the-counter brand. And another thing I might mention is like, this is something that's probably mass produced and you tend to sacrifice a little bit of quality when it comes to like hugely mass produced lines like that. So that's something else to, to take into account. Um, when, but when I think, when people think of Tatcha, I think they just, you know, think of this super organic, like way of formulating products when I'm not saying that is, or that's not the case, but I just think, yeah, when it comes down to it, kind of question the marketing behind certain brands. Yeah, exactly. I feel like I just repeated myself in 10 different ways. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it's, I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to. It's like being informed and, you know, don't take it on face value. Cause I mean, yeah, hello, if we did, story. yeah, everybody would be using St. Ives scrub if it was based on, right. you know, all that stuff. So anyways. That was a that was a good one. <laughs> um, yeah, keep these questions coming, you guys. It's we love it. We could and we can base whole podcasts off of your questions. So please keep sending them in. It's a big help. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. So right. okay, well, I think we have one last question here. Um, what skincare regimen would you recommend for a dehydrated skin with acne? Okay, I really like this question because I think. Yeah. It is so common. And I think a lot Mm -hmm. of times people don't understand that breakouts can stem from imbalance in the skin or dehydration. So you may be breaking out because you are lacking water. So logically, I would say adding more hydration into the routine first is Mm -hmm. where I would start. Like always start with balancing, quote unquote, like resetting, as some estheticians say, um, and just getting getting that whole barrier situation balanced. So perhaps even just kind of strip it back to the basics, just, mm-hmm. you know, perhaps a really mild cleanser, something soothing, a nice toner with some hyaluronic to really bind that moisture to the skin, aloe, again, algae. These are really hydrating ingredients to look for. And probably like a water-based moisturizer that's going to deliver a lot of hydration to the skin rather than oil that you may not need. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts? No, I think that, I mean, that's perfect. That's how I would start as well Is like a lot of times when you have somebody that's, that's dehydrated and has acne, you're going to also have a lot of inflammation because their barrier is going to be really compromised. Um, so yeah, I think stripping it down because often you'll see people who are dehydrated with acne, they're using a benzoyl peroxide cleanser and then a salicylic, um, serum and then a spot treatment and then a clay mask every day. So it's like, take it down because, and, and that's a very common, common misconception is that to get rid of acne, you need to get rid of oil. Like oil does not cause acne, at least the, the oil that you produce within your skin for the most part, doesn't cause acne. You're not going to all of a sudden have acne just because you have an oilier skin type. 
So I think stripping it back down to the basics, cleanser, moisturizer, SPF during the day, and making sure that they are gentle. Like I think a gel cleanser is okay, you know, in the evening, especially if somebody's wearing makeup, remove the makeup, use a gel cleanser. But a lot of times I'll see people using a gel cleanser twice a day and they're like, why is my skin so, so dry or whatever? And it's because you don't need a gel cleanser twice a day. I, I do recommend cleansing twice a day, but it doesn't need to be with a gel cleanser. You know, you could do gel at night and then, um, you know, a cream cleanser in the morning. So yeah, yeah stripping yeah. it back down and getting that hydration and the, the barrier function working in your skin again, because, you know, that's such a, such a tricky thing that is very easily, um, I wanted to say offended, but like, I don't think your barrier can be offended. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know what I mean? Like it can be offended by, by, you know, your choice in products agents. Yeah. Like SLS, yeah. I think would be something to avoid if you are dehydrated because yeah, I think mm-hmm. the cleanse is a very, very important thing. I think it's really like 70% of the routine is your cleanse. So make sure you're not using anything that leaves the skin feeling like tight and squeaky clean after you cleanse. And I would just make sure you're spending like 60 seconds really focusing on your cleanse, getting under the jawline where we can have hormonal breakout, forehead, sides of cheeks, around the nose, just get really thorough, get under the fine facial hair. And another thing to look at might be your water temperature. Want to make sure you're not mm-hmm. using water that's too hot. I know a lot of people like really enjoy super hot showers and washing their face in warmer water. Like I can totally yeah. be guilty of this too. Um, but just something to to look at. Sometimes when I when I feel extra dry or dehydrated, I realize it's because I've been using um, water that's too hot. Yeah, exactly. And then once you kind of, I think once you have it back down to the basics and you get your, your hydration under control, first of all, that will probably take care of, of a lot of the breakouts. But then if you still are having um, breakouts popping up, then I think you can get more into your salicylics spot treatments or, um, you know, chemical exfoliations. I think then, and then again, when you get to that point, it's very, very, very personal because all acne is, is different, whether it's bacterial or it's fungal or it's hormonal. There's so many different like types of acne that, um, it's a very, I mean, and this is why we talk about it so much is that it's a very, uh, complicated thing to treat and it's very personal. So that's why for the most part, I, oh, I just always recommend like see an esthetician, see someone who can look at your skin, feel your skin and look and feel at your skin on a regular basis. Cause just one appointment to be mm, honest, isn't going to do that much, you know? That's yeah. You have point. to kind of be a partner with your esthetician because they can't just look at your skin and say, use this, this, and this, and then it'll be gone. You know, it has to be, it's like a gradual process. I totally agree. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think as complicated as it is, probably remembering like all breakouts start with a clogged follicle. So maybe kind of tracing it back to what that could be stemming from. Again, if it is overstripping and causing inflammation versus maybe not cleansing properly versus just doing too much, again, causing inflammation, using acids repeatedly over and over when the barrier is not balanced in the first place, Mm -hmm. Um, using maybe layers of 
products, sometimes just too many layers prevents that oxygen. Oxygen is, you know, acne's enemy. It, it hates mm-hmm. oxygen. So if you're if you're doing, you know, layers of serums and then moisturizer and then face oil and then sunscreen and then makeup, that's an extreme example. But just that would probably lead to some sort of sort of breakout or um if your diet is crazy high in fat and sugar and, and mm-hmm. dairy, it could, it could be a trigger um, that's kind of piling on top of that issue, the root issue of a clogged follicle. So lots of things to take into consideration with, with breakouts. And that's why like Lauren and I say, we're, we always put on our detective hat. It comes mm-hmm. down to asking specific questions in the treatment room. Maybe somebody's using dry shampoo all over their hairline. Maybe they're not changing their pillowcase. Maybe their phone is constantly being pressed to their cheek. Maybe they're touching their face. All, all these things like breakouts, it's very hard to diagnose. But I think, yeah, like Lauren said, just getting the hydration in check tends to be a really great starting point because all skin types need hydration. So I think like stripping things back and adding in that water, that topical hydration and water tends to be a good starting point. Then at least you lay the foundation. And then like Lauren said, then you can add in exfoliating acids to keep the mouth of the follicle open and kind of address the acne. But yeah, always want to just get things more balanced first before you start adding in more things because then it's just you don't even know what started it in the first place gosh yeah that was such a rant (laughs) I know I know well acne is like that I mean there's just like god there's so much to say about it and it's it's like everybody that asks me about their acne I'm like okay I know let's go because I have a lot to say about this I know yeah and it's it's ever present and it's there's, you know, not a cure. And it's when you have acne, right. you have to consistently and forever treat it. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah. But I think yeah. keeping the and skin. I, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I also think that as you go on with your acne, because I had acne as a teenager, bad, like cystic, um, cystic acne as a teenager. Um, and I've, I've had acne I, I don't consider myself to have acne anymore, but I do still break out is the thing. Yeah, and so I think the, same way. the longer, yeah, the longer you deal with breakouts and quote unquote acne, I think the more you get to know your specific acne. So for myself, mm-hmm. just within the last few years, I noticed that sugar is a massive trigger for my acne. It is like clockwork. I can eat, and it's not just like one thing, but like if I have a week where I'm like really kind of indulging a lot and having and it's pro it's refined oh, sugar it's, me it's this not week. Fruit. <laughs> yeah I know I'm like oh I literally made a bra- I'm sure everybody saw my Instagram but I made a brownie in a bowl last night it was delicious at least it was but a healthy brownie it was but but yeah so if I eat a lot of refined sugar I'm not kidding you clockwork the next week and it doesn't happen immediately I think that's another thing that people don't really take into account is that triggers for your acne it's not like what you did yesterday gave you acne it's like what you what you did a week or 10 days ago is what's giving you these breakouts. But so, you know, just like clockwork, I can always tell. I'm like, if I eat this and I eat this again, I'm going to break out. And I'm like, do I want to break out or not? So I just think, Sometimes you, know, you roll so the dice. Sometimes, you know what? You got to eat the brownie, people. Sometimes you got to roll the dice and sometimes it's worth getting a breakout. Yeah. 
I will get breakouts for peanut butter, coffee, goat cheese, oh, chocolate. Like, I'm you know, so hungry. but I, I take that risk. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's just worth it sometimes. Exactly. And as long as you don't feel out of control, you know, with your breakouts, that's the thing. Like, I know what's going to break me out. Sometimes I break mm-hmm. out for no reason. I don't know why. But for the most part, you know, you get to know your skin and you get to know your triggers. You know what works for you, what doesn't work for you, etc. So. Yeah, I mean, it's it actually is impossible to actually trace the exact exact issue, but we we do our best here. And yeah, I think just echoing what we said before, keeping the skin clean, not overdoing it and inflicting inflammation repeatedly on a day to day basis, working on balancing, adding hydration back to the routine, possibly taking out oils in a moisturizer if they're if they're heavier if they mm-hmm. could be labeled as comedogenic, if you are excessively, you know, oily, and perhaps if you're living in somewhere like humid and hot, mm-hmm. you, those are situations maybe think about taking out the oils in your routine. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, <laughs> yeah, I hope that helps everybody. And I think that's a, a perfect place to wrap this up. So as always, let us know what you guys thought. If you guys have any follow-up questions, please, you know, don't hesitate. Send us a DM. Um, we're always available to chat and love it. So yeah, thanks everybody for listening and taking 45 minutes out of your day to sit and chat with us. Yeah, thank you guys. Let us know also, please, because I'm super curious. Lauren and I have been like, you know, making an effort to have experts on the podcast. We can pick their yeah. brains, which it's been so much fun for us to learn. So let us know if you like that format. You Let us know if you prefer that to us talking. Let us know if you like a mix of both. Let us know what you think about branching out beyond skincare. If you like the mix of like, for example, fitness experts, we had a, a Pilates teacher and business owner on the podcast. Let us know what you think. Please leave us a review. Only if you like it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Only if it's five stars. Just kidding. Yeah. We would love to hear your feedback regardless. We always want to improve for you, but hope you're doing well. We love you and we will talk to you in the next episode. Mm-hmm.